Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. I'm Jay Crawford, and as you know by now, each week we sit down with a Cleveland Brown great to sort of catch up with them, find out what they're doing now, and also to recollect a little bit about some of their memories from their days in Cleveland. And this week, we're thrilled to sit down with and give a warm Club 46 welcome to former Browns defensive back Felix Wright. Great to see you again, Felix. How are you? It's good to be here. In fact, I... I Honored to be uh, considered one of the greats. That, oh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, listen, when, when you look back at numbers and you see the number of takeaways that you were responsible yeah. in your years here, really, when, when I was researching for the interview, I always knew that you had a knack for the football, both interceptions and fumble recoveries. But when I looked at the overall numbers, you had 26 picks yeah. in your seasons here from 1985 to 1990 and six fumble recoveries. <laughs> wow. How did you always get to be where the football was? Well, it's something that I thrived on. It's something that just even from a young age, you know, from high school, I was, I always wanted that ball. And, um, you know, I think back then uh, I was a real student of the game. And I got, I, I got that from when I got here because I played in Canada before I came here. Uh, but in Canada, we didn't really spend a whole lot of time in the classroom, but we watched a lot of film. But when I came to Cleveland, with, with guys like Hanford Dixon, Frank Middenfield, uh, Chris Rockins, Al Gross, uh, those guys were students of the game that studied the game. So the game became easy to us because we, we knew what, what they wanted to do to you us. You were prepared so, for it. Yeah, so we were actually just going out playing and reacting versus you know just trying to watch the play develop. So I think that put me in good positions and then uh, you know, when the ball was in the air, you know, that, you know it's anybody's ball. Yeah. I, I think I was just fortunate enough to get there before the uh, offensive guy got there. We'll dig into your backstory um, in a little bit. It's fascinating. It's one of really the more interesting stories on how a player goes from high school to college to eventually the NFL. Your, your route was certainly untraditional, and it's a great story. But right now I want to talk a little bit about your time with the Cleveland Browns. You were here in some very exciting years what was it like being a member of the Cleveland Browns for, for those late 80s teams that had so much excitement around them? Well, I, I, the thing I remember most is just the, the city, the, the, the fans. It was just, we were so, so together. And, uh, you know, when we won, it was a good week. When we lost, everybody <laughs> was down for the whole week. It was just really crazy. But it was great times. Uh, you know, when, well, obviously the biggest reason I came in here was Marty Schottenheimer. He, he, uh, I had a couple of teams that were looking at me to come in from Canada, and uh, Marty won out uh, just because he said, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to play, and if you're good enough to play, you're going to play for me. And I, you know, I think for any ball player, they just wanted an opportunity, a legitimate opportunity to uh, get a chance to get on the field. And when I came here, we had two great safeties, and I know that it probably wasn't likely that I was going to crack the lineup, and, and you know, but you know, if there was ever an opportunity, he was going to give it to me, and. It took me a couple of years to break the lineup, but once I got in the lineup, I didn't let it go. What was your, and there, I know that you had so many great moments during your years here in Cleveland. What is your favorite memory of playing for the Cleveland Browns? Well, I, you know, the, the AFC Championship games were, I think, were pretty awesome. Uh, I don't think anything would beat those games. I mean, we came on the wrong side, of, you know, as far as losing those games, but those were great games for us. But Probably the game that affected me most in my career was the game that we came back off the strike in 1987. And uh, we played the Rams on Monday Night Football. And 
and then, you know, I wasn't a starter at that time, but came in on, on you know, on, you know, passing downs and uh, as a nickelback and also as a safety and, and uh, somehow came up with two interceptions that game. And, uh, you know, we had a big win. Did you take and one for a touchdown? I took in one that for game? a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, my second one. The first one, I went 68 yards and uh, I think Charles caught me. Yeah. Well, he didn't catch me, but he, you know, he cut me off at the pass. Right. And then the second one, I, I scooted in right before halftime. I think for, I think that was like 40 yards. It was, what was that like for you to do that? I, you knew the whole country was watching. It was awesome because you know I knew that the family was watching too back in Missouri. <laughs> and all, all my boys and uh, you know that I played with in Missouri uh, high school and then at Drake and then you know in Canada as well. It was it was a great feeling just to. Uh, to be able to do that in front of, you know, the bright lights. Sure. Yeah, it was good. When you look back, um, is is there one play from your career that stands out more than any other? Was it that pick six on Monday night? I would say probably that, that pick six, uh, you know, for the, for the touchdown, because I said, it, you know, it was a game after the strike, so we went through so much because I think we were out like four weeks. Mm -hmm. It was very frustrating trying to put – Put that collective bargaining agreement together and and to hold out and all that good stuff but that's probably the single most probably the second most probably one i'm most recognized for is the one where you know in the playoff game against buffalo when don bb kind of went over my shoulder and landed on his head i came back and got the interception they didn't give it to me but <laughs> but uh yeah those are probably the things that uh, i'm probably the single most probably gave me the most recognition people remember me by do you have that one story that's your favorite story that you love to tell and fans love to hear? Well, you know, uh, probably one that just comes to mind, there's, there's many, but I remember, uh, which was different from the other teams that I played with, is that I, I remember when, when, I, when I played for the Browns that after every away game, there used to be like thousands of fans out there waiting for us. <laughs> it was crazy, I've never experienced anything like that. And I remember one, one, uh, one evening we came back and I don't know, I was waiting, waiting on somebody to pick me up and they didn't pick me up and there was two, two young boys out there, uh, Mike Petrus, Dave Petrus. They asked me if I needed a ride and I'm like, no, not really, I'm kind of waiting on somebody and we waited about 15 minutes and they said, are you sure? And I said, you know, I think I'm gonna take you up on that. <laughs> and, and you didn't know who they were? I didn't know who they were at all. And they were, well, I think one of them was like 16 or 17 and the other one was like 10. And uh, so I let them bring me home and they lived in Strongsville, I lived in Westlake and uh, we're still good friends today. And, really? And, yeah, and, their, and their, their dad actually was a big executive at uh, uh, Finest Giant Eagle. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that is an incredible And, and so we story. became really good friends and uh, kind of hung out. And they used to come to every game and take me home. And yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. And that's a, a pretty unique story that I have, the one that I could remember right that's now. It's fascinating. But, yeah. I can't, something like that would never happen today. Yeah, oh no, no, never. Well, yeah, because they go to the private section. And, and, and yet and, you guys formed a friendship from yeah, that, and okay. you're still friends. And we used to walk through the airport. You know, we used to, you know, check in through the airport. But you know, we didn't have security back then either. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, different times, Felix. Yeah, different times. Different times. Um, you kind of touched on it there a little bit, but I'd like you to go a little bit deeper. Compare the Browns fan base to the other fan bases in the NFL. Why, why is this one so different and so special? It's a football city for sure. Um, they're more in tune with what's what's going on uh, with the game. Uh, not only do they they love the game, but they understand the game. And uh, you know, I, I I'm in my car quite a bit, you know, during the day, and I listen to the to the talk shows, the yeah. sports the sports talk shows, and there's so many fans that are 
calling in because they go, just want to know what's going on, what's happening. You know, good times and bad times. Yeah. But I just think that the fan is, is uh, uh, the folks in Cleveland just really love their team and, and uh, want them to do well all the time. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone Dueler Tires boast up to an 80,000-mile limited warranty, so they're in it for the long haul. Because nothing says endurance like season after season of clutch performance. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com warranty for details. Want to go back now to the early years um, before you ever knew that uh, the Cleveland Browns fan base was as mm -hmm. rabid as it is. Let's go back to your early days, Felix, uh, growing up in, in Carthage, Missouri. What, what yeah. was it like being a young Felix Wright? Well, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I loved sports and uh, I played every sport that was possible that I could. You know, I played, you know, football, basketball. Actually, I think I was the best at basketball. Really? But actually, my best sport was baseball. Was yeah. it really? Yeah, I, uh, I was actually I was an all-state baseball player, and I was only only an all-conference football player. Yeah. No it, kidding. It was, it was it was it was pretty crazy, but uh, you know, and and this year is the first year that my high school won state uh, championship in the history of Carthage. You know, we 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 get, we won our conference and we'd go, you know, we get close to state, but we never closed it out. So that's kind of exciting. Wow. You got a chance to, they called me up and wanted me to send a video back. Oh, congratulations. Nice. And so that was pretty cool. Well, but, what what brought you to sports? Do you remember? You know what? I have, uh, I have my, my uncles, uh, you know, actually on my, my mom's side and my, on my dad's side that uh, my dad was a boxer. Yeah. And, um, and his, and his brothers were boxers and, and my uncles on my mom, mom's side was, uh, you know, they were all athletes, baseball, football. Um, you know, uh, back home we got an award, you know, for football, basketball, track. If you're the best player on the team, we're all it's called Nail Awards, kind of like the Heisman yeah. uh, for high school. And all my uncles won Nail Awards. Really? In, in, including myself and my two br younger brothers. So you came up with big expectations. Big expectations, Felix, yeah. you better be good. You're all, <laughs> you're all your uncles and That's right. it's in the blood. Yeah. All of the greats that make it to the professional level have this innate drive yeah. to be more. Yes. Where do you think that drive came from for you? You know, that's it's, it's, it's a good question. I know my, my dad was a boxer. He, he always wanted me to be, become a boxer. I got in the ring once and that's just, it's a different kind of... Uh, Fitness. <laughs> yeah, as Mike Tyson famously <laughs> yeah. said once, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the yeah, face. Amazing. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, you know. I, I'm assuming I got it from my, you know from my mom and dad. Yeah. And my, you know, with the sport that my dad was in was was a pretty rough sport. But I don't know. It just it was one of those deals to where I, I you know, I, I wanted it so badly, and I was going to do everything it took to get there. And I knew that you had to be fast. That's something that they can't teach. Yeah. You know, you can lift weights and get stronger. But you know, I always worked on the fundamentals as far as my foot, feet work, and and I knew that we had to have good feet work as a defensive back. You better turn the hips and all that. Yeah. And that was something that I just worked on all day, every day. You mentioned that your best sport was baseball. Mm -hmm. You um, led your little league team yes. to the championship, correct? Yeah, in 1971. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Well, that. That was great. We we loved baseball, and actually, it's funny. Um, just on Twitter yesterday, one of the guys posted a picture of, of, the, of those, of those all-star teams. Really? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. We always wanted to go and take it all the way to Williamsport, but, uh, it, it was, it was, it was just one of those deals where, 
you know, I think that I probably would have went the baseball route, but football came around first. And so with football coming around first, they're the ones, the first guys to offer me a scholarship. And so when I got the scholarship offer from Drake, uh, mom says, we're not waiting for baseball. We got to take this. Really? Yeah, because we didn't have a whole lot of money at sure. the time. And it was free. And she didn't uh, want to miss that opportunity. <laughs> she didn't miss that opportunity because yeah. for whatever reason, I never got hurt playing football. Baseball, I did. You're a standout athlete in high school. What's your recruitment going? How was how that going for you? I, I didn't really get heavily recruited. It, it's, it was crazy because it's the same thing that happened to me when I graduated from Drake. Yeah. I went, you know, uh, I just had a couple of offers. I, I you know, I had I had a lot of letters from from uh, back then. It was Big Eight. Yeah. You know, versus a Big Twelve and. Uh, uh, I had a lot of letters from just about every Big 8 team in baseball. Uh, and I think I would have got probably a, an opportunity to play in baseball in the Big 8. Or I got a, Actually, I got letters from Arizona, Arizona State, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I only got, really got the one offer uh, from Drake. And then I got, you know, Missouri Southern State College, which is there in Joplin, I got an offer from them as well. And, you know, uh, a small NAIA, you know, school. But, yeah. you know, Drake came and just kind of, kind of took it from there. But yeah, it wasn't overwhelmed with offers. Mom wanted you to go to Drake. It's bird in the hand. Yeah, as soon as, soon as um, they offered it, she says you're taking it. Did you say, wait, hold on, Mom, I want to I want to see what happens with the baseball, or did you just immediately tell Drake I, I'm in? I yeah I, I uh, yeah they they offered me and and, and uh, I don't even think we took a day and we said yeah yeah we're coming because we didn't have we didn't have a whole lot of offers yeah so. We didn't want to let that pass. And you know, nowadays, if you if you pass one day, they might take it away from you. Yeah, that's true. So you decide that it's it's on to Drake. At what point during your career there did you realize that you were going to be able to handle this transition from a skill set standpoint? That you were good enough to play there? Did you oh, know that right away? Oh yeah, my freshman year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, when I went in there, I, you know, I you know I sized everybody up as as everybody does. You sure. size them up and and. Uh, I wasn't a starter the first couple games, but after about the fourth game, I became a became a starter at freshman year, and started you know so three and a half years of my uh, college career. I knew at that time that you know because we played in the Missouri Valley at the time. Now they've kind of dropped down to Division three, but you know we were playing the Colorados and Iowa States and, and Nebraska's uh, at that time, and you know those teams were very good at that time. But I knew that uh, my freshman year that uh, that if I stuck with it, you know. You know, in, uh, in you know, in season, off season, and kept myself together. I'd get an opportunity. It didn't work out that well. Yeah. Uh, that way. Uh, well, eventually. But yeah, eventually. Yeah. The road was windy, and long. Never missed a game. Um, captain, senior year, MVP. Yeah. Your senior year, you have to be thinking. This translates to at least a look in the NFL. Yeah. What were you hearing pre-draft? What were your expectations? And then ultimately, how did you feel when your name wasn't called? Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I did, like I said, I, I got one letter, and that's from the Dallas Cowboys. And that's when they were sending letters out to probably just about everybody probably in college ball, actually, and to basketball players at the time, too. But, uh, um, you, know, I, 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 you know, I don't know if the coaches, you know, we, we were like a small school, didn't get a lot of recognition. We weren't on national TV or anything like that. Uh, the scouts came in. Uh, we, I don't even think back then we even had a pro day uh, back then. But you know they would, you know if they if they were interested in us, they would just call up the coaches and get our, our 40 times. But I do, but I do know, uh, you know, going through college, my speed wasn't where it was at when I when I you know after I left, I was actually uh, worked on my speed 
after I got out of college. Right. I think when I was in college, I think my fastest time was like four, four six. Yeah. But uh, I knew that was something that I needed to work on. So when I did get the job back in coaching, back in Joplin, Missouri, it was something that I worked on with my student athletes, and I got my times down to a high four fours. Yeah. So tell me about that process when your name isn't called. Are you thinking at that point, my dream's over? Pretty much, pretty much. You know, I talked with the coaches and see what they thought, and there was really no other options at that time, too. So you don't play in the league, you're pretty much, pretty much done. Yeah. So uh, when, when the draft was over and uh, I decided to go, go home, I had to go back to Carthage, Missouri, a town of about 11,000 people, and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, obviously applied to, uh, to some schools back there and uh, pretty much almost immediately got a job at Joplin, Missouri, coaching you know, coaching football, basketball, and track. Yeah. And so I just said, well, this is, this is what I went to school for. You know, got my education uh, and, uh, you know, got the job. So, and uh, if I wasn't going to be able to play it, I wanted to be able to teach it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, started in that, in that, that August, start coaching, uh, you know, the defense, defensive backs, linebackers, and the defensive linemen. I was on the defensive side of the ball. But somewhere in that head, that seed was still germinating because you're working on your 40 time. Yes. So even though you didn't get that opportunity out of college, you hadn't completely cashed right. in all your chips that this dream might come true. Yeah, it, it, but at that time I had no ideal. But uh, anything my, I asked my student athletes to do, I was out working out with them. So when they were lifting, I was lifting with them. When they were running, I was out running and actually working on my speed as well. Right. Um, what happened is like probably halfway through uh, our, our season, um, I went out and, as an example, to kind of show some of the corners, you know, what they're doing wrong, you know, technique and stuff. And I got out there and started covering a couple of our wide receivers. And, uh, you know, obviously I got a couple of interceptions and back then. And, and the coaches came up to me after, the, after practice and we were in the locker room. And I was like, wow, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, <laughs> what do you mean? And he says, man, you, you, you can still do it. And this, this, you know, there's, I think we had like five other coaches and they said, man, you really should, you know, consider, you know, giving it a try somewhere. And uh, so, it, it, you know, I said, well, you know, we're talking, you know, high school athletes as well, sure. you know. But uh, so what it did is it kind of lit a fire under me and I went home that evening, asked my mom where my, uh, where my uh, school books were from, from Drake. And she said, well, they're up, you know, up in, up in the attic. Uh, you know, I'll go get them for you. And I said, because in one of those boxes was a letter from an agent that I got. Uh, agent, his name is Elliot Lehman. I always remember that name. He's from Philadelphia. Wow. And uh, I, you know, opened up the letter. I had opened it, looked at it, and then just kind of put it back in and just kind of put it away because he never called me. And I, you know, I didn't call him. So I found a letter and looked at, uh, you know, found a number and I called him. I said, Elliot, this is Felix. And he says, hey, Felix. I said, well, you probably don't know who I am. He said, I know who you are. You didn't call me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> usually, you know, the agents call you. And, he's, and I says, well, you know, I'm coaching down here in Missouri. Uh, I've been thinking, um, you know, uh, just wanted to see if you could, you know, maybe find me an opportunity. I says, you know, I'm in good shape. I've been working out uh, for the last, you know, year. I've been working out, uh, lifting, gotten bigger, stronger, faster. If you can find me an opportunity, cool. If not, I understand, you know, because I've been out of football for a year. Right. And he says, you know, I'll see, I'll see what I can come up with. And so he called me the next day and he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And uh, I said, well, give me the good news first. And he said, well, I got you two workouts. 
And I said, oh, man, that's awesome. And he said, well, okay, well, what could be possibly the bad news? He said, they're both on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you're going to have to choose which one you want to go to because you're going to have to pay for it, you know. So it's not, a, it's not one of those free uh, tryout camps. Sure. You're going to have to pay for your room and stuff, and they'll feed you when you're there. So it's either Houston or Detroit. And so Houston was closer and on that teacher's salary. Right. You know, and, you know so we, uh, my uncle Tinker, who, who's one of my uh, oldest uncle, uh, took off work, and he drove me down on a, uh, on a Friday because it was a two-day workout. Uh, you know, so they had, uh, some, they had about 150 people in there on, on, uh, on Friday, and they had another 150 people on Saturday work, working out. And this is when it was just pretty much open to anybody yeah. and everybody. So we went down there on, on Friday. We got checked into the hotel, uh, went out to Rice University to work on some form and get it together. And, and then we went over and watched the, the Friday crew run. And I remember um, walking up to the fence and looking at all the people. And I'm like, wow, I said, this is, this is crazy. You know, how, how is this be possible to even really get a serious look? I said, I looked at my uncle, I said, this is a waste of time. And uh, I said, we, we, should, we should just probably just get on out of here. I, was, I, was, I became depressed because this is sure. like, you know, how, you know, of all these people, how are you going to be able to evaluate? Um, and so my uncle looked at me and says, well, I took off work. You're going to work out. You're going to run. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to work out. So, so we went home and we, to the, to the hotel, we rested and got up the next morning, ran in there and, you know, signed it, signed up and went in there. And, uh, first thing you do is get on the bench press and got on there. I did okay with there. I came out and, um, started working out doing the back pedal, run, sprint. You know, we had to run to 40. Kenny Houston, uh, was there and he yeah. was the guy that was kind of doing all this to me. And after about 45 minutes, um, they blew the whistle and they called everybody up, even from Friday, Friday, all of Friday's people were there and they called us about 300 people. And they says, uh, you know, they thanked us for coming and, and, uh, you know, and, and enjoy your trip home. But, and we've chose three people and I was a second name called. Now what's going through your mind when you heard your name? I just couldn't believe it. I looked at my uncle, ran over to him, gave, gave him a hug. And, uh, I said, well, this is an opportunity I've been waiting for. So I came back on Sunday, signed a contract, and, uh, and then I had to go back to my high school and, and resign. And uh, came back down for the summer, right when I, uh, school was out. And the next day, I drove uh, down to, uh, to Houston and worked out the whole summer. And uh, went into training camp in San, San Angelo State, uh, played with uh, Earl Campbell, wow. J.C. Wilson, you know, all, the, all, the, all the, the big Oilers. I just remember in training camp, it was really hot down there. But I felt that that's the, and that was in 82. And uh, I remember just having the best camp ever. I mean, even a, 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 the best camp ever in history, even more so than in Cleveland or Minnesota. Really? Yeah, I had the best camp. And uh, playing pretty well, Kenny Houston says, you're looking, looking really good. You're going to be okay. And then uh, after the third preseason game, for whatever reason, I, you know, I got, got cut. Wow. It was unbelievable. What's I, going through your mind yeah, when I, they I, tell I you like, that? I, I was like, man, this, I, you know, this, is, this is the best I've ever played in history. I, I, you know, I, can't, I couldn't believe I got cut. But also I just like, well, if I, if I can't make it when I'm in, in this good of shape, 
and I played well in, in man coverage, and, and you know, it's not for me. And so I, uh, they flew me back home, and, uh, and uh, the next day the Hamilton Tiger Cats called me up and said, Fitz, you can come up play for us right now. And, uh, How do you think they found? Did they find you for they the were preseason camp. games? Yeah, they were. Yeah, through the preseason game, and they they showed up. All the Canadian football teams showed up at camp. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about the CFL at that time. Right. And so they called me up and and uh, said, "You can come up play for us right now." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I don't I don't really, I don't even know where you guys are at." Right. You know. Uh, and so they kind of explained it to me because you know, like you know, you get three downs to make ten, and the field's a little wider and farther. And so they flew me up the next day, and. Uh, I was there for a couple of days of, of practice and just wasn't feeling it. Just didn't uh, didn't little, like it, or you weren't happy with the way you were playing. wasn't familiar with what I what I what I, what I was used to. It's a new game, essentially. Yeah, it's a totally new game, and so I asked him to send me home. Really? Yeah, I said, send me home. I'm done. And uh, so they flew me home on uh, on uh, on that on that Monday, and uh, I got home Monday night. They called me up Tuesday and said, Felix, we, we got to have you. You got you to come up play for us right now. You know, we need you for this weekend. And I'm like, I, I, I think I'm done. And so they, the head coach, his name was uh, Al Bruno at the time, called me up all day on Tuesday and, uh, and says, well, you know, what do you need? And I says, you know, I, 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 I got I to make some money. I said, I'm going to cut. I got some bills to pay. And he asked me what I wanted. I says, well, you know, I'll take 5000 because I had no idea they paid me 5000 back then. And he said, we'll have it for you when you get off the plane. Really? Yeah. So they flew me up the next morning on Wednesday. He had to check for me uh, when I got off the plane. And uh, that was huge. 5000 big sure. huge back then. And uh, I was able to send a check back and get some, get some things paid for on that Wednesday. Uh, so I mailed it off on that Thursday, practice Thursday. Uh, Flew out to Edmonton on Friday, and played against Warren Moon on Saturday. Wow, Warren yeah. Moon. Warren Moon. Uh, he was the first quarterback I faced up there. I was at the right corner, and the first ten passes were at me. He completed. <laughs> he completed four of ten, and I took 180 yards on him. You picked him. Yeah. And took it in. Yeah. Every game I played against Warren Moon, I've intercepted him. Really? Mm -hmm. And you played him a lot. Yeah, when he was here. I mean, the old division rivals. Yeah. Even when I went to Minnesota, they came to Minnesota. I got him. He threw away from me the whole game. One ball popped up, went up in the air. I came and got it. What was it you think that I, he's a Hall of Fame guy? Yeah, I don't know. You have to ask him that. <laughs> when I see him again, I will. I will. So yeah. you're in Canada, foreign land, foreign game. Yes. And you're having early success. Yes. So at this point, are you thinking that this is a stepping stone to the NFL, or did you actually think that it might take some time, which it ended up taking? Well, time? I was I was hoping that it would, it would give me an opportunity because I knew that I need to get some film, and so I just signed a one-year deal when I went there, and and uh, so what happened is that we finished up the season in the playoffs, and we lost in the first round. Actually, our quarterback was Tommy Clements, wow. yeah, and then uh, I, they, I signed a two-year deal to come back for '83, '84. And uh, we, you know, and then we traded Tommy to Winnipeg, and then we got Dieter Brock. Remember Dieter? Oh yeah, around. absolutely. And uh, I became an all-star, uh, which is a Pro Bowler up there sure. in '83 and '84. And uh, you know, I think each season I got eight interceptions each season. And we went to the Grey Cup my last year in '84. Uh, really wasn't getting a lot of looks from from anybody. And uh, there was some scouts that was up to look at Dieter because you know he was a big-time quarterback. And uh, 
when they came up uh, in the, you know, for the uh, uh, Eastern final, which is we played Toronto, and they came up to check him out. And uh, I got four interceptions that game against uh, Congress Holloway. Remember Congress Holloway? Oh, gosh, that was a yeah. blast from the past. And uh, ended up with four interceptions, had the fifth one in my hand and got bumped and it fell off. But I had, had a great game, probably my best game I played up there. And then we went on to the Grey Cup. And I got uh, two interceptions there in the Grey Cup and uh, just played well at the right times where, you know, I had five teams uh, offer me uh, the next month to come back. And like I said, Marty, Marty kind of won out. So here is your dream, finally, after all the praying and all of the detours. Right. It's coming to fruition. What are you thinking when you finally put that name to contract and you're a member of the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> it was pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Pretty wild feeling, I, and I, I don't think my my mom or anybody in my family believed that that this was the way that I was going to get back. Uh, it was it was pretty crazy, surreal. Um, I, you know, it was, it's unexplainable how happy I was, yeah. and I knew that, uh, you know, there was there was no way that I was going to let anything get in my way from from making this team because we we had a great team, we had great athletes. And uh, I think our first year, although we didn't win as many games as we thought we would, we still won eight in. We got in the playoffs and played Miami in, the, in a wild card game, which right. was, was pretty cool. But uh, I knew that after after that game, that Miami game, that we, we had something. We, we were going to be pretty special. Because we Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most, which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000-mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the Cleveland Browns. Conditions apply. Log on to BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. How long did it take you to adapt to the NFL style? Did, was, there, was there a transition period for you? Yeah, there, there was a transition because I played cornerback in college, mm -hmm. and so I didn't really have to come up and do a, do a lot of tackling. And then when I went up to, Toronto, uh, to Hamilton, you know, the, it's probably about 90% pass. So, you know, just you know, tackle the running back. You know, the running backs are small scat backs up there, and the receivers aren't real big either. Yeah. Uh, so when I had to come back, I had to adjust uh, to the bigger, it's a, you know, the, the bigger people. And plus, when I came back to Cleveland, they had me at corner. I started off at corner, mm -hmm. and then uh, then they moved me to safety. So I was playing both nickel back and going back and forth. But ultimately, uh, you know, Marty said he wanted me at safety, and so I knew that I was going to come up and do a little supporting. <laughs> so so uh, we really worked on the on the tackling. My my tackling when I first came wasn't refined yeah but uh but we worked it out in practice and and uh, where i became a, a pretty sound did you player. have to put on weight to play safety did i did you get bigger? i did I, yeah because when i when i came back from canada i probably weighed like 190 195 and and uh i think by the time we got the season started i was around 200 205 yeah, yeah. it's a little bigger you mentioned the uh the afc championship games as two that stand out mm -hmm. and i think they would for most Browns fans, and everything yeah. was memorable about those, including the, the finish. Right. Um, take us back to each, starting first with the drive and, and then the fumble, the feelings that you had immediately after, how long it took to get over those, if you've ever mm -hmm. gotten over them. Right. Well, no, you, I, I, I don't know if I've ever gotten over them because 
they play them every year. You can't, you can't <laughs> they, miss them. Every year, especially, for, especially when Cleveland and Denver play. They, 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 it comes up all the time. Uh, I, I remember the drive. I was out on the field during the drive. It was just, it was amazing because I think we took them to fourth down three times in that series. One was fourth and 17 yeah. or something? Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's one of those deals to where um, it doesn't really matter how much talent you got. Because I always thought we were more talented team than what Denver had. But it's just, a, you know, if a team has your number, they just have your number. There's nothing you can do. It you might know? just be a matchup thing. Yeah, it might be a matchup thing. And so, uh, and I think that's what happened with us in Elway. Elway, you know, made the plays when he needed to make them. You know, fourth down. I mean, even, even he fumbled a couple times, and they were still able to, to overcome that. Um, so that's the thing I remember uh, in those games is just that he just made the plays he needed to make. And, uh, you know, we, you know, at the time, I think they still do it nowadays, but, you know, we kind of gotten a, we kind of got a little soft on our coverages uh, back then, you know, because when you had the lead back then and you were in your last minutes, you kind of went into a little prevent mode. Yeah. But Elway was too good to allow that. So he lived we, for prevent. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we probably should have stayed a little more aggressive, but we'd been successful with it until we met him, so. Was there one play in either of those games that you just can't get out of your mind? Probably when they scored the touchdown, you know, there at the end, because I thought, I thought we would hold them until the end, and it just, just didn't work out that way. And that was just to tie the game up, Yeah. you know. And then uh, the thing that really bothers me, still bothers me, is that that, that, that field goal wasn't good. I listen. I've said that my entire life. It, it looked like it went outside the upright. It did. I, w I was there. I was on the field. I turned around and looked at it, and I said, well, "It's, it's, you know, we're, we're going to keep playing here." And, and then they came and did the. It was, it was pretty wild. But, you know, okay. I, I never understood that. It's like no, the no ending of a bad movie. No, no explanation on that. No. Yeah. At least today, perhaps they yeah. could take a look at it. Yeah. Don't know that it'll ever be overturned, but. Nah, probably not. What's the biggest difference in, in the NFL from today to when you played? Well, you know, as a defensive player, the tackling is a big difference, I think. Um, you know, we were taught to, to hit in the numbers and bring the arms and, and wrap up. So, you know, you're always trying to hit during the midsection. And I see a lot of guys chopping, you know, because they've got knee injuries there. And, you know, you try not to get the helmet to helmet. And I, I see a lot of guys, you know, they try and strip the ball now versus just coming up and tackling the guy. They kind of try and strip the ball, which can create missed tackles as well. And I think we've had an issue with that here to where we've, uh, you know, missed some, missed some tackles. And uh, I think that's the biggest difference, uh, you know, as far as on the defensive end. Uh, you know, as far as, far as your, your defensive lineman, just, you know, you, you know, when you sack a guy, how do you not fall on him, you know, which is – it's pretty tough. It's, it's, it'd be tough. Absurd, in fact, really. Uh, How do you stop yeah. yourself when you've already left your feet, but the Absolutely. ball's just coming out of the quarterback's hands? Absolutely. We were at the game last week, our last home game, and uh, Alonzo Highsmith and I and Hanford and uh, Reggie Langhorn were talking, and they watch, I guess, every Friday. They get out and pull out some old film. And he says, you, you, and you wouldn't make it in today's game because you'd be suspended and kicked out fine, yeah. for the whole, you know. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And so, that used to be part of the sack was taking mm -hmm. the quarterback to the ground and making him oh, yeah. feel your pain. Oh, absolutely. And getting in his head the next yeah. time he's standing there with a half second to throw well, the football. And any time there was a turnover, any time I got an interception, the first thing that the offensive lineman would do was find that quarterback. Find him and take a <laughs> go, shot at him. Go get him. Yeah. They can't do that now. It's changed quite a bit, for sure. Do you remember what Marty said to the team collectively after either game? I guess, well, 
Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, the one message that I think that everybody was leaving, he always uh, had the same prayer and uh, to go out for, for games. And then uh, his famous saying was, there's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. <laughs> and he was talking about the, the trophy, you know, to win the big one. There's a gleam. And, uh, and that's something I'll always remember about Marty. He was a great motivator. And uh, like I said, he, 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 he made us all, he willed us all to be students of the game. And I think that's the reason why we were so successful, especially Hanford and Minifield, the guys I dealt with on a daily basis. They, they, just, they, they handled those receivers, which yeah. made my job a lot easier, which freed me up to where I could go just go after the ball. Yeah. You know. That's why you had so many picks. That's why I had so many picks, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just necessarily all of me. It was because of them as well. So. What do you miss the most? Well, probably because I spent a lot of time. I, you know, I got a couple kids, and uh, three, and uh, my youngest is in, in West Virginia, and my two, two other ones are growing and, and working now. So uh, I, I get to spend a lot of time by myself, and um, uh, probably just the camaraderie of spending time with the guys. I see Hanford, I see Reggie a lot, I see Kevin Mack a lot, but probably just getting together with all the all the guys. Yeah, you know. And we did it. We had a reunion a, a couple years back which was really cool to see all the guys and to see how they've changed. And, and uh, that's it, it, probably, probably the single most thing probably I miss about it all. Talk about the experience of leaving the Browns and, and going to the Minnesota Vikings. Well, you know what, I had a, had a little issue with David Modell, you know, with the contract. And actually, just a little bad luck on my end to where, you know, he, he, uh, it was his first contract negotiations. And, you know, he was probably trying to, uh, established his position, and I, and I wasn't having it. <laughs> right. And uh, I just didn't think that they, you know, after, you know, being second in tackles and leading the league in interceptions, uh, it, I thought that I'd do did as much as I could to 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 get the the kind of you know money that I thought that I deserved at the time, and uh, they wouldn't offer it to me. And uh, Minnesota, and a couple other teams came along and, and offered me what I wanted, and I hadn't played it down for them. And that's usually how it works. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, after they found out what they offered, they offered it, and I was just too, too hot-headed at the time. So that's the reason why I went to... Matter of principle at the time. Matter of principle at the time, because, you know, it was, it was like, man, I've been, I've been six years. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, so what's Minnesota? It was, it, was, it was a good move for me, you know, because we also had some new coaches, you know, Belichick, Nick Saban. They, they called me up a few times uh, uh, to ask if I would stick around and... Uh, you know, because they were going to, you know, do some drafts. They wanted me to help do some mentoring as well, and uh, I just thought it was best to, to leave because I had some you know, some pretty bad feelings at that time. You know, where yeah. a little disappointed. With so, the with the advantage of wisdom and experience, do you wish now that you had done it differently and and stayed, or are you still out of I'm principle still, made still, the yeah, right I'm move? Yeah, I'm still good with the decision I made because yeah. I've met some good people in Minnesota and met, and, and met a whole new group of guys. That I played with like John Randall and Chris Dolman, Jack Del Rio, Rich Gannon, uh, you know Najee Mustafa, who actually ended up coming here. Yeah. So uh, Roger Craig, uh, you know, and I also met a, a running back uh, Herschel Walker. Yeah. As well, so I got a chance to meet a, a, a different group of guys, which was cool, and they and their philosophy versus in the NFC and the AFC were totally different. We didn't really hit much. <laughs> uh, in the NFC, whereas in the AFC, we were banging every day in practice. Yeah. 
So I was like, wow, if I had played over here in the beginning, I probably could have played another 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was a good experience. And yeah, I, I, I didn't regret going there. And actually, it's funny because the first game in preseason, the next year coming back, we had to come to Cleveland. So it was pretty cool. And I got a good reception here. So it, was, it made me feel, feel okay. So I played two years there. And then my last year, uh, Marty called me up midseason and said, hey, I, I might need you to stay, stay ready. And, uh, you know, a couple of the guys got hurt. I think Albert Lewis got hurt and Kevin Ross. And, and uh, so they called me in. I got a chance to go play in another AFC championship game. Wow. You know, I got a chance to play with uh, Derek Thomas, um, uh, Marcus Allen, Joe Montana. Did it feel like deja vu? Here I am in an AFC title Yeah, game. I know. Yeah, yeah. Party. And it was in Buffalo. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was in <laughs> Buffalo. It was the coldest game I ever played in. It was, it was like zero degrees in Buffalo in January. Wow. So. What led to the decision to retire after that? Just didn't get any more contract offers. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, so 94, I was 35. Yeah. So. Uh, and that's past, well past the life expectancy yeah. of a defensive back. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, I didn't get any more offers. So I was like, well, I'm not getting any offers. So I might as well just call it, call it a day. Yeah. So went on and retired and, and uh, kind of relaxed for a year and then kind of went into banking after that a little bit. Yeah. So how did your, how did your path lead you to banking? Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I always kind of had a knack for, 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 for finances and we used to talk about it a lot in practice and guys and we used to talk about, you know, stocks and bonds and options and things like that. And then my agent uh, in Canada is named Gil Scott uh, he, and he has a lot of kickers back here in the league. And uh, he called me up one day and says, hey, you, 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 uh, you want to go to work? And I'm like, well, I'm not really doing much. What do you got? And he says, well, I got Royal Bank of Canada that's going to buy a property in Atlanta, in Buckhead, and they need a guy that's going to run their sports division. Are you interested? I said, yeah. So I went and did an interview, got the job, and uh, ran their sports division for a couple of years. Wow. And, then, and then left out uh, after a couple of years, became a consultant, and that's kind of what I do now. I just kind of consult athletes just on the finances, just, you know, whoever I can find and need a little help. Yeah. Yeah. And you, do you find that rewarding in, in, an, in a sense that you're still involved in the game? Still involved, yes, yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of kept me involved because being in that sports, uh, you know, banking, you know, I was able to go to the Senior Bowl, the Pro Bowl, go to the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of kept me in the game, kept me close to the, to the, to the players. And, and, uh, and then, you know, after doing that for a couple of years, I was in, you know, uh, asked by the league to become the inspector. That was my next question. Yeah. How does one become an NFL inspector? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that called me up, he says, uh, we want you to be, you know, you know, an NFL, you know, inspector for all the Browns games because, you know, originally as Gary Jeter started it in first year in 99, and then in 2000, Eddie Johnson was doing it, and then he became sick, and so they needed to get the guy. And so they called me up, and they said, you've been highly recommended uh, we think you should take the job. And I'm like, well, you know what? I kind of, I kind of, you know, working for this bank, and I'm kind of working with athletes. So I don't know if I'll have time, you know, because you know, required every Sunday home game. Yeah. And I said, because well, you know, I, I work with some other athletes, and you know, I might want to go to their games. And they just says, well, okay. And then they called me up the next day and said, no, we really, we really want you. And wow. they, and they said that uh, we'll make it a one-year deal. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it for one year. And we just finished. We're going to finish up 19. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So tell me and the fans that may not know at home, what is the job of the NFL inspector? What do you do? Well, I protect the sponsorship of the league from sabotage. 
So Nike is the official apparel sponsor. I just got to make sure the athletes, coaches, and referees, when they step out of that locker room, they're Nike down. And are you looking at every single player, or are you randomly picking players? Every player. Every player. You're we look looking at every, at every yeah, player. We look at every player. Well, you know, when we're talking to the guys to you know, help correct a violation, um, and sometimes they just say, I don't worry about it. Just take the fine. You know, Braylon Edwards used to say that, like Winslow, Kellen Winslow used to say that a lot. And we used to just say, hey, man, if you're going to give money away, just give it to your mom. You know, don't give it back to the league. Yeah. I said, just give it to your mom. And it'd make them think a little bit. And we just wanted them to think about what they were saying because, you know, don't forget where you came from. You know. Money would be a lot better spent yeah. sending it to mom than sending it to the oh, league. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, why give money back if you don't have to? Do most players get that, that you're there to help them, not to hurt them? I think so, yeah. Yeah, o Odell's been great. I mean, uh, you know, we were expecting, you know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you get players of that caliber come in, it's expected to be a little devious, you know, and, and not talk to you. But he, every time we've approached him, he's talked to us. We, we, we laugh, we joke. None of the players uh, on this team has given us a hard time about anything. And so, you know, we, we, they know that we're, you know, we, we always tell them that even though we may not see it, they see it. Yeah. So don't think you're getting over. They got it on film. In the days leading up to me sitting down with you, I told a number of Browns fans, I'm excited I'm going to interview Felix Wright. Every fan immediately smiled. It's amazing the goodwill that is headed your way from fans, oh, and awesome. you haven't played a game here in 30 years? Yeah, since 90. Okay. Um, you know how they feel about you. They've told you the entire time you were here, and you hear it often um, living here. I'd like to give you this opportunity to talk to the fans and for you to tell them what they mean to you. Well, I think, I think they, they, they meant the world to me, and I think they meant the world to you know, our teams back in the 80s and, and 90. Uh, we felt them. We felt their pain when we, when we lost and their joy when we won. Um, and uh, the way they treated me, is, I think, is the reason why I... Uh, decided to retire here and raise my kids here and uh, we we love the the community we love everything about cleveland i think one of the best football cities in america and, what will uh, happen felix them. if they ever win a super bowl it will be uh, mayhem <laughs> a party like we've never seen yeah it, i remember when, when they showed the the you know the games uh, pandemonium uh, Pandemonium Palace. Pandemonium Palace, and I, I remember watching those passes from Bernie and and Ernest and Kevin, Kevin and Webster. Uh, the Pandemonium. I think that's what it would be like if we come through. Which I think we're. It doesn't seem like we're close, but I think we got the talent. We just got to put it all together. Well, Felix, it was great to catch up with you. All great right. to see you, and so happy to see that you're you're doing well and a success in your post football playing life. I'd also like to thank you for watching another installment of Club 46 driven by Bridgestone. We look forward to seeing you again when we sit down with other great members of the Cleveland Browns. Thanks for watching. For Felix Wright, I'm Jay Crawford, and we'll see you soon.